Greetings to all our loyal listeners out there. And can I, Joe, can I say thousands of listeners? Are we getting to I that point? I don't know point? that you can say thousands of listeners. I just I think did. you could I... say we have been listened to a thousand <laughs> times. That counts. Yes. That's good. To the people that have listened to us a thousand times, thanks for joining <laughs> us on this, the ninth episode of the Living the Grace Life podcast. Today, as always, I'm your host, Jim Hobbs, along with studio director, Wayne Dallaire. Wayne, how are you doing today? How is everything going? Joe, are you listening? How is I hear it, that. How is it going there in the studio? It's going great. Thank you for asking. <laughs> Can I just say, Fantastic. I'm, I'm so proud of you for coming down here. I don't here. know why you think I don't well, want to talk to Wayne. I'm glad you come down here I with like the little Wayne. people every once I, in a while. So, that's yeah, right. like, right? You this know, thank you for right. being with the proletariat for just a little bit here. <laughs> I just you know? host. The, I don't, I just, I ask the questions. I, 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 yes. I keep it. I keep it simple. So, uh, and I am here with lead pastor of Grace Life Church in Sarasota. And you're a musician, Joe, by the way. And Wayne is a musician. Both of you guys are, are musicians. So I'm just wondering what what have you guys been listening to lately in terms of music? For me? Yeah. You guys yeah. are real musicians now. Don't you hold know, back. I've been flashing back to a lot of Ambrosia and the Eagles. Oh Don't goodness. judge me. I'm Don't not. Me. I'm in. The, uh, I'm not. Ambrosia. Yeah, they're pretty. I haven't good, heard man. that name for a while. I know Ambrosia. Wayne, who are you? Wayne's laughing. They're laughing at me I about Ambrosia. He's, he's thinking Mozart. He <laughs> <Yeah>. thought. <laughs> no, no, no. I actually, it's been three dog night for me lately. Three dog. I love it. You guys are living. Well, now I'm a, wait. I'm a pastor. So I can't now to in that this area, now we're talking music. We talked last episode. Megan, uh, who does a fantastic job at the music here at Grace Life Sarasota, she's fantastic. And did you say Joe that the bass player? was with the Almond Brothers or something? He was the bass player for the Almond Brothers for years. And he's just, <laughs> let me tell you, he's the most humble, sweetest guy you'll ever meet. Two of our musicians did a gig that was last weekend, which was Time Change Sunday. Ah. They got done at two in the morning. Oh my goodness. So it's really three. Yeah. And they turn it around and they're right back at Grace Life at eight in the morning for rehearsal. I love and it. And so they probably got three and a half hours of sleep and they were there and they didn't look, well, they looked tired, but they didn't sound tired at all. It was great. Yeah, it was great. great. The music, I tell you, Megan does a fantastic job. We'll have her on. We want to hear yeah, more we need about to get her. On. her. Yeah, to get that. So in the last two episodes, we have focused on humility and love, humble love. Since chapter three of your book, uh, that's what it's called, humble love. Today, we will close the chapter with depravity, ambrosia, I mean, amnesia. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> depravity clever. amnesia which if you look that term up on google if you put the quotation marks depravity amnesia you only get one link and it's to some thread in goth.net i didn't really? understand what a did you coin that term i thought i did but you say you I only found it, one link what yeah if you put quotation marks around depravity so I need amnesia to copyright it you better. Yeah. Well, and you and goth.net here. So anyway, <laughs> send us an email if you have questions about, uh, if you remember about depravity amnesia. We're going to talk about it today. Get a copy of the signed book if we read it on air. That's Living the Grace Life Podcast. Living the Grace Life Podcast at gmail.com. Keep it right here. It's all coming up. Episode nine of the Living the Grace Life Podcast. Is that true? You Google that? Only one minute.
think I had depravity amnesia listening to that song. I, you know what? I just wanted to break out into falsetto. I don't even know. <laughs> We've got today depravity amnesia. I'm going to read, Joe. You've got here on page 44 of chapter three, Humble Love in your book, <coughs> The Grace Life, what Philippians teaches us about loving one another relentlessly. You have here... Jesus said, judge not that you be not judged for with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use it, you will be measured too. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice that log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is the log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye, you then say, I call this, quote, depravity amnesia. A lot of our listeners have heard that before and think about judging, I guess, when it comes to that. But what do you mean there, depravity amnesia? In that passage, judgment is not the main problem. The main problem is you forget about the, the beam in your own eye. So depravity amnesia is best displayed. If you want to know if you have depravity amnesia, get on a busy street and let somebody cut you off. And see your response uh -huh. like you've never cut anyone off before. See, that is forgetting just how, see, even Wayne's in there laughing. Wayne, are you a serial cutter offer, Wayne? Is that the problem? <laughs> oh, I, oh, please don't. It's season and serial. Oh, yeah, it's season. pretty bad. But so uh, depravity amnesia is when you assume that you are above someone in a certain area of maturity or certain area of a moral set, moral thought, and so that you have because of that superiority you have the ability and the privilege and the position to judge and instruct and to try to pull them up to where you are and that is depravity amnesia i can tell you as a pastor in every area that i preach or every area that i teach or counsel in the back of my head i know that i have had the same struggles Oh, sure. Yeah. Or having the same yeah, struggles. Yeah. So depravity amnesia is when you feel like you are better than someone else in any area. Is it the same in the in the sense of frustration? <laughs> so I, I can recall just recently, I was like, how am I going to handle all of these emails and texts and things where people say things that I don't agree with? How am I going to handle that? And I kept thinking to myself that everyone else had it wrong. And it was up to me to figure out a way to try to handle this right. I kind of felt like right there, what you're saying, I had depravity amnesia that it was all about me, wasn't about anyone else. And here I am. I mean, there's an arrogance that seems like it's involved in all of this. You say here, uh, and if we make these claims without vulnerability and intimacy, our accusations do then become judgmental in the same aspect you had kind of talked about last episode where welcoming people to the church. It's not the handshake. It's not the proper, you know, that kind of thing. It's about everyone is invited thinking some people are actually on some kind of lower class or this, this whole kind of thing goes into that depravity amnesia. I mean, is that a condition that then we just all always have or how you say that we so, forget it? I'm but, not I mean, saying that we shouldn't. There are times where we have to, if we really love someone and they're struggling in an area and we have to confront them. We, we need to do that. That's part of living the grace life. Uh -huh. But when we do it, we do it with a couple of things in mind. First, recognizing that if we don't come with vulnerability, then we are setting them up 
to receive our counsel in a negative way. So it's, it's almost like the burden, if I'm going to come to you in an area that I know that you're struggling with, the burden is not on on you to hear uh, me. I gotcha. The burden is Starts on me. with you. The burden is on me to make sure you know, I love you. I care about you. I am lower than you hmm. in this area. Maybe we can work on it together. The burden is on me, not them. Like, well, I tried to warn them. Well, that's not the point. You have to be vulnerable and intimate if you want to have an impact on someone. Otherwise, you're really not looking to have an impact. You're trying to fulfill your own desire to quote unquote, call somebody out. Uh -huh. yeah. You know, to me, it's almost like uh, politics on Facebook. Mm. You know how many posts I have typed and then deleted and moved on? I'm going to say a lot. Oh my goodness. It's <laughs> horrific. Go but you know what? It's depravity amnesia. Like how can these people think this? I know. But right? the same it's thing like, is true with spiritual yeah. things. Was I'm, that pride thing? Because you say there's no room for spiritual pride. This is on page 45. At the top in a church, you say, okay, I'm a pastor. Big deal. I'm a sinner. The next step, you say, after that is to abandon selfish spiritual agendas. So maybe that's what you're talking about here. Because you said, Paul, Philippians 2, 4 says, look out not for your own interest, but also for the interest of others. You're saying then, after you recognize this, the next step is to abandon selfish spiritual agendas. How can you love one another relentlessly if you have an agenda spiritually that you want someone else to fulfill? This is what I think the scripture says you ought to do. That is a selfish, arrogant, spiritual agenda. And so for me, I feel that one of the big hindrances for us loving one another relentlessly is when we assume that we are better than someone else mm -hmm. in any area. It's just, it leaves no room for relentless affection and vulnerability. Because frankly, let's think about it. If we are not willing to be vulnerable, we have no reason to think that our confronting another person is going to be constructive if we aren't willing to be vulnerable and intimate and open about our own deficiencies first. I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, it's the same thing when I talk about, all, and I have a long list of deficiencies, when I talk about the things that I went through and they don't have to be, they are not success stories by any means, but I'm still here. It makes people relate to them in a manner that I think otherwise, but it goes to the sort of powerless argument. Are we powerless though to not have some form of this amnesia that you speak of? Because it's, it's I, I know yeah. all this, right? And then I forget. This is a supernatural continual intervention by the spirit of God and God's word. Here's what I will tell you. The only way that you can avoid, yes, we're all going to at times fall into the trap of depravity amnesia. Okay. It is a, it is a recurring illness. The way to avoid it becoming a, a continued state is to make sure that you are in a community that is vulnerable and intimate and sacrificial. And frankly, I don't see how anyone who if anyone says, you know, well, I worship God on my own, I don't need to be a part of a church, you're nuts. You are absolutely crazy. You, in that point, you are suffering from depravity amnesia. What you're saying is, I don't need the church. I individually, here's what you're saying, I individually am superior at following Jesus than those people who need one another. 
You got no business saying that. You have depravity amnesia. Because in reality, what Paul says, let each of you think of others as better than yourselves. Well, we want to be around people that are better than us so we can glean from them, so we can learn from them. And if you say, I don't need God's people, you're saying, I am better than God's people. Yeah, and you're doing it alone by yourself. Well, you're not doing it alone. Not only are you suffering from, from depravity amnesia, you are delusional. You are absolutely delusional. I don't care how many podcasts you listen to, uh, how often you read the Bible, how many sermons you hear. If you are not with a community of believers, you are delusional if you think you're living the grace life. It reminds me so much. And I got a little angry there. I like it. No, no, no. I mean, that's the passion behind it because it's very similar to, I'm reading a current book, Richard Rohr. It's called Breathing Underwater, Spirituality and the 12 Steps. What he's saying is everyone knows 12 Steps for Addiction. But it's not for addiction, he's saying, which I've heard many people say before. It's for everyone in life who needs to understand exactly what it is that you're saying that in step one, it's been determined that you are powerless. We admitted we were powerless in this case over whatever it is, alcohol, drugs, uh, anger. You insert the word, we are powerless. You're saying in this case over depravity amnesia or spiritual pride could actually be inserted in there that our lives had become unmanageable. But in this sense, until someone understands that that way of life is unmanageable, I don't think there's a way you can talk about depravity amnesia all you want. And they may never get to that point because step two is came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. If you don't think you're insane, then there's a problem. Like yeah, you're not if, even going to get there. If you don't think you're depraved, then there's no chance you're going to be able to live the grace life. You talked about that this past Sunday. About you, didn't you say was it your deprivation is much worse than you made? The, the, what was your that? depravity is far deeper than you could ever imagine, and it is so true. And the, the Scripture teaches us that the heart of man is so wicked. Who really knows the depths of its wickedness? And when we have depravity amnesia, we are for a moment thinking, ah, here, listen carefully. Maybe I didn't need Jesus after all. Even if it's just for a moment, this area, I've got it made. Mm. So much so that I have the authority. I am the authority on this area and you better listen. It's a constant struggle, especially as a pastor, it's a constant struggle because if I'm expected to pontificate to people about truth. It is very easy to get into instructor mode. Mm. Say, this is how you do it. Yeah. You know? And so it constantly, I, I, I look at my sermons before I preach and I, and I ask myself, uh, I, I go back and I take out the parts where I say, you need to, uh-huh. or, and, and I, we, uh-huh. I always change you to we, because I've learned to look for it now. Because my natural state is, I'm going to say you, but it needs to be we. And so for me, the first thing I try to do now, and this is, these, are, these are habits that I'm trying to form. Mm-hmm. If I have to confront someone, the first thing I'm going to do is start off with an example of how I struggled with the same thing they are in my past. Yeah, that goes to the core of all of the support groups that are, I mean, Alcoholics Anonymous, Narcotics Anonymous, all these Pastors groups. Anonymous, Baptists Anonymous. <laughs> I mean, we all need them, right? Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's it's amazing to see 
then everybody speaks the same language. You know, it's kind of like being in a room where everybody's talking a different, no one knows what's being said, but when people have gone through it, and that's what makes Christ's example, I guess, the most, I'm sure the most amazing. He mm. did go through it as a human and did see, like we talked about in our suffering and the Garden of Gethsemane, he lived it. I mean, he felt it. It wasn't fake. It wasn't something that was just given to him. He went through it himself. And so this whole powerlessness Almost because this depravity thing, don't you think in some ways the amnesia of depravity is a way, a coping skill? Like we have to cope with how bad we are. So and rather than say, well, Christ, only you can save me. Help me live the grace life. Grant me your mercy. You say, you're doing it wrong or I'm, you know, actually I'm, it's not as bad as you think. Or, you're, you know, well, yeah, you're right. You know, there was this whole college admissions cheating scandal that just broke in the news. Mm. And, you know, people are like, yeah, you know, listen, I didn't take any bribes and I didn't, um, I didn't do, I just, but I just want everyone to know. And then it's all the good things they did. Like th that's an Apollo. What is that? Yeah. I, <laughs> you know, man, this is so, this is so hard early on in ministry. I always was so insecure that I always felt like I had to champion my successes so that I could be successful further. Right. And now I find the more that I champion my failures, the more successful I am as a shepherd. And I just, I just think people have to recognize that you are going the right direction when you find joy in vulnerability about your deficiencies. When you can share with people, Man, let me tell you, I am an absolute mess in this area. I am not good at this. And uh, I see that you're struggling with it too. How can we get better? That's been a big difference for me. I don't champion my successes anymore. Well, I try not to. I find that the most successful formula for ministry is when I champion my failures. Just to wrap up that section there, you're saying champion failures. All right. So let me tell you a story that happened to me. <laughs> I'm thinking about this. <laughs> let me tell you a story that happened to me yesterday. I, I run a ministry called the Nightlife Center, which is an outreach to at-risk teens. Teens right. that maybe yep. would never darken the door of a church, sometimes not even a school. And on Wednesdays from about three o'clock to about six, we're playing basketball in a parking lot that's out back. A strip mall. You've been there. I've for been it. there it's a couple times. It's good. Good hoops. The last few weeks, there's this, this guy that's coming around the parking lot in his carpet cleaning van, and he dumps the dirty water in the grate next to the court, which is, I don't like it, but whatever. But then it's not done, and he drives around the basketball court, and it's leaking this dirty, filthy water on the court. Uh. So he drives up while we're playing, and he's dumping the water. I said, hey, dude, can you not dump that there? He goes, well, I would have done it if you'd asked me right. I said, oh, is that right? So I got my camera. I'm going to take a picture and call your company. And all the kids are there watching this interplay, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I felt, man, that was not good, but let's move on. <laughs> so the guy left the parking lot. You know, he spun <laughs> off. You know, he spun off. Uh, Dude, the most humbling thing happens like 
10 minutes later, he comes up in his car. He says, hey, can I talk to you for a minute? I said, oh, no. Oh, this no. Is he goes, I was wrong. And I just started crying. I said, no, you weren't. I was. <laughs> I, said, I, I said, I treated all the kids are watching. I said, I treated you horribly. He goes, no, I treated you horribly. I said, we're going to fight about this too. <laughs> and he laughed. He says, no, we were both wrong. He said, do you forgive me? I said, only if you forgive me. And the kids are watching this. And he gives me a hug and I give him a hug. And I said, I'm going to hire you to come clean our floors. And just, it was just, it was an amazing. <laughs> and you know what? Here's the thing. Here's my point. The kids saw that. They saw me get angry. And then they saw this guy come back. Right. And then they saw us reconcile. I don't even know the guy. I got his number. We're friends now. To me, that is championing your failures. You just lived the grace life. And you 100%. just gave an example. And the example that you gave to those kids there, not just and to yourself and to anyone there yeah, who was watching, was that you have to mess up to begin <clears throat> to Ugh. live the grace life. But, and you should Like you seen can't be okay and live the grace life. Like if you'd handled him okay, yeah, you're I'm not right. entirely sure you would have- I had to screw have, it up really bad to, first. You had to do what all, what, yeah. you had to enter the zone. And I don't know what happened after that, Jim, but my shot was on fire the rest of the day. <laughs> I was not missing. Obviously an act of God. <laughs> very clever, <laughs> very clever. Lightning struck. It's so true. I mean, yeah, we, we're gonna take this time to wrap up. Okay. And now through episode nine, what does it true? This is really strange because I was wanting to wrap up through the first nine episodes. What have we learned when it comes to how do we live the grace life? You just said it yeah. in a story, which is why the Psalms and the parables, they carry the depth and the weight, like all these words and all the way, okay, we got to be authentic. We got to be vulnerable. We got to be intimate. It, it, we get it. Okay, fine. And then things happen. And it's the story of us I love having this said. depravity amnesia. If I'd have handled that guy okay, there would not have been a lesson learned by anyone. Right. And that probably, that probably was my best sermon of the year. And it wasn't even a sermon. They won't forget that either. No. They and when people encounter those situations, they they realize because the resolution. I mean, your time resolution there, fortunately, was it was quick. That was sovereign in the sense, right? That he and get this: if you're probably truly living the grace life, you won't be the one that goes and makes it right. Mm. It'll be the other person that was wrong. I have seen that countless times. Because you didn't go call the guy. You didn't go search him down. No, he just came back. He came back and admitted and gave you the opportunity to say, I was wrong. That yes. You knew you needed, you were it convicted a, inside. It was a supernatural moment. And here's what was so great. There were four new kids playing ball with us yesterday. They were just playing ball with us. And uh, it was the middle of a game. After the game, one of the kids said, so what happened with there? I said, we both realized we were jerks. And he just laughed. He goes, that was it? I said, that was it. He goes, you're not a jerk, Pastor Joe. I said, oh, yeah, I am. <laughs> <laughs> but there's a freedom in that, right? There's something it's about- It's the vulnerability. The vulnerability. And you shined a light on it. It doesn't mean that, okay, in the spotlight or whatever, but you got to see that living the grace life means you won't live it. That's the grace life. Yeah. Yeah. You will never get it right. Like we talked about last episode about fixing things. You're not going to fix it. If you could, you would have already. But 
someone else is going to fix it. In this case, the person came to you. It was yep. a divine moment. It was. Christ and the love came and fixed it for you because yep. he'd already fixed it on the cross. I mean, it's great. It's, it's just that story is a great one because it really exemplifies. Why don't you show me a picture That's of this picture band? Of the band. <laughs> <laughs> Should we do? Are they going to sponsor our podcast now? Is that the deal? For <laughs> why not? I know. I, it, you're, this story. It's a sermon. I you, kept the picture because I it's can't a tell you how many. You know, there was a guy. I mean, there's so many stories. I had a guy on a plane that like threw his. You know, when the guy on the plane sits in front of you and throws the seat back, and your laptop's open, oh, and yeah. I crushed my whole. My, he didn't know or whatever. And I had this funny thought. I was like, you know, I'm not going to say anything because I, I don't know. Maybe this guy will somehow save. Yeah, maybe he'll do something. Like I. I I've seen it so many times where someone I get re really mad at will then do something that only they can do to save a situation. And something came up. There was a, a child was sick or, or some, or maybe it was our dog, um, which is like our child. And so he was, I think it was our dog. And he came up, oh my gosh, I love dogs. And it, my, something happened. Someone had to go to the bathroom. I will hold her. This happens to us all the time. And I think it's what you said last episode too about delusion. We live, we think in this reality, but we're living in an alternate reality because yeah. all this is going on around us all the time. Yeah. If you're living the grace life in an attempt to try to get more and more perfect, then you're living the wrong life. It's being more and more vulnerable and more and more in tune with how much you need grace to begin with as a person. Right. And, and to know that that grace is extended to you, not through anything that you've done or anything you're going to do. It is a gift. I love talking about this because, you know, I've been telling people when I was studying the book of Philippians for this book, I kept thinking, man, I want this to be my church. Like, mm -hmm. I want this to be my church. So I started looking at what do I have to do to make grace life like Philippi? And I was overwhelmed by just how unchurchy we were going to have to be. Mm. Well, we're never going to grow if we do that. And it, it's very humbling. So wrapping up chapter three, the workbook, Joe, you've, I love how you always end here with this space for notes, a workbook. You've got questions that kind of reflect on what we just talked about. And here, we kind of went through this depravity amnesia part. I, From what I can remember on the amnesia, you said here on your action in the workbook, page 48, set aside some time to examine your attitude toward your brothers and sisters in Christ. Do you truly consider others better than yourself or do you suffer from depravity amnesia? Ask God to show you where you lack humility and to replace your arrogance with his transforming grace. So. Literally, you're saying this is a prayer that we should go to with God and say, please remove this arrogance and spiritual pride that I have and replace it with this humility that only humble love that you know. It's very risky sometimes to think about praying for humility. Mm, right mm -hmm. it's very you feel i've always Preachy heard that little, yeah don't yeah. don't pray you know if you pray for humility be ready for what you're gonna get uh, you know that always scared me but in reality you can't look at it that way 
when you when I say ask God to show you where you lack humility, here's what you're really saying: ask God to show you why you needed grace. Yes. God, please show me why I needed your grace. And what happens is when he does that, yes. it brings you an unbelievable comfort. It, it really does. When you, yes, because when you understand, wow, I really need grace in this area or that area. And then you recognize not only do I need it, I've been basking in it and didn't even realize it. That's the scary part. That's where it's really, and that's you. It's interesting you say that because in in the twelve steps, uh, you know, the steps one, two, and three are just admitting you're powerless over whatever it is, coming to terms and giving it to another, giving it to Christ. And in, in our case here, step four is made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. That's exactly what I think you're yeah, talking about. And I just did step four. It's interesting. Mm-hmm. I've never done the, the the step. So I'm and I've struggled with alcohol my whole life until the last well you always do but right 18 months or so so I'm very proud of you by the way thank you uh, really it's not something. my own doing i will it say is life is a lot better it's what you just said though too that you don't realize like if you told me just how much life is going to change just because you get rid of that crush. i don't understand like but so yeah in step four I, it's not really a list of things you've done wrong that might take me years but the idea was what is it inside and it made me look at it made me look at living in fear, I would have told you, and I and I knew this to be true, which it wasn't, that I don't live in fear. I have no fear. I do everything. Mm. Here's my career. Here's everything. I have no fear. And I go back and I make this list and I see the things I'm doing. And what I realize is I don't want to cope with anything. I live in utter fear of relationship. Mm. I don't know how to have a relationship. Learn that in your 50s. Like, that's like, I have, and why is that? What am I afraid of? And then you grieve over the lost opportunities and all that stuff. But there's a freedom, though, at the end. That's where you have it, right? It's so great because then it's like, I don't, I was afraid, but now I'm not. Now I'm not afraid. So now I understand what it feels like to not be afraid. I'm not totally not afraid of everything, but I'm in such a different place. And I wouldn't have known that. But it's like the words on the grace life, right? Mm. So this communicating, I think the story that you told with the carpet guy and <laughs> all of our brokenness, all of our sins that we've talked about, they are success stories, not in the fact that it all got better, or everything worked out, or yay, we hit the lottery. They're a success story because Christ was That's there. Right. And where did we turn our eyes to? Like when on the, your story with the carpet cleaner, you felt probably convicted a little bit after felt, it happened. You turned your eyes in a sense to- You know what my first thought was when he was dry, the before the apology, when he drove away, I didn't say this out loud, but I thought, I am just as dirty as the water he dumped in that drain. Huh. I mean, I had that thought and I said, well, I don't know what I'm going to do with this picture. I'm just going to delete it, you know? And I decided I'm probably going to have to live with him dumping the water there. That was fear. It I was. bet you didn't see that, right? That's so weird because that's how we cope yeah. when we don't know so what to do. Like, I'm so thankful oh. that God allows us to. That's an example of showing us an area of, of uh, arrogance. I would never dump my dirty carpet water on a bas- <laughs> on a basketball court, but I have thrown paper out the window while I'm driving down the oh, highway. Oh yeah, I mean, okay. Did I? I hope I just didn't ruin my whole career by admitting that. But this is my point, right? Right. Well, yeah, fearless, I'm just as guilty as he is. That's why these st- the fearless moral inventory is a great one because yeah. at that point you understand what it is, what's inside you, and maybe maybe it's okay. 
that's the coping part, right? I think what we all want to do is just make it okay. But maybe in the mess, it is okay already. And that's the grace that's given to us is a gift. But like you just said, it's hard to get that message across. So yeah. what would you say in nine episodes? Here we are. We've kind of went through three chapters. What, what the takeaway here? What, I mean, how would you say something to someone who's still thinking, how do I live this grace life? To me, my takeaway is just go out there. Do it. Just go and you're going to figure this out on the fly. I, I think, Don't stay inside and wait till you them, figure it out. If I had to give them one thing, find a church community. That's great. That you can serve. And don't go in thinking, okay, what does this place have? Matter of fact, maybe you should go to a church that doesn't have what you need or what you want. And decide, I just want to serve. I want to make an impact here. I want to serve other people. Start with that. That's a great way to look at it. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, if you've got a question on how you want to live the grace life or what you need to do, email us. We may not have the answer, but we'll love reading it on air. Livingthegracelifepodcast at gmail.com. If we select your question You're a winner. Our next episode, it's going to be the big celebratory episode 10. We start chapter four, Relentless Affection. That's the Philippians. That's work out your salvation with fear and trembling. I love that. I love that. That's such a great, that's Mm. Paul there. Uh, We look forward to that. So that's all our show for today is on behalf of Pastor Joe studio producer Wayne Delaire and the entire team at Jump Dog Audio Productions. I'm Jim Hobbs. See you next time. And remember, whatever you do each day, keep looking to Christ so he can keep you living the grace life.